from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back, everybody. After a week off for the bye week, we're back with another edition of the Sideline Scoop. Jeremiah Searles, hey, you weren't around last week. We missed you around here. You weren't on the shows. I guess you were on Sports Nightly, but I was. I was. You uh, got a week to rest and recuperate, recuperate and did some hunting. Uh, you feeling good going into this week? I am. I I'm ready for Husker football. I needed a mental break <laughs> from Husker football. My wife even was like, you're a much happier person on Saturdays now when you're not at the Husker games. I was like, it's very odd, but I got to go outside, get ready for the fall for hunting season, get my duck blinds put in, get my deer stands put up, and hopefully get a chance. I'm going to go out and duck hunt actually before the game on Saturday since it's 2.30 kick. Uh, it opens for our property out there, and we have some wonderful farmers out there, uh, Mr. Baxter out there hanging with us all the time. That's awesome. So what about as a player, you know, when they're going in through a bye week? I know you've talked about get completely away from football. I mean, how, much, how needed was that bye week for this team this year? So needed. I mean, first of all, we were banged up physically. I mean, physically, we had some dudes that, I mean, you saw Adrian wasn't quite Adrian against Minnesota. You saw Daniels come out with what looked like a shoulder. Ramir got dinged. I mean, the list goes on of guys. I mean, Deontay Williams gets dinged. The list is very long of guys that got banged up. But the good news is a lot of those injuries looked like if they had just a week off, they should be okay. And so physically huge to get that week so we can have our cast of characters going against here in the next four games but mentally is the biggest thing football is a mentally very draining sport especially when you're getting close games not winning it, it can really wear on you mentally and so I really hope that whatever it was that filled these guys cups whether it's getting away from football completely getting home and seeing some family just sticking around friends playing video games eating pizza whatever it is to fill yourself back up mentally to recharge for this next two weeks before the next bye week, I hope they all did because it's extremely important to be locked in and focused now they're back at work. Beyond that, and then beyond preparing for Purdue this week, I mean, what what was the focus, do you think, probably of this football team to kind of some of the, the, the tweaks that maybe needed to be made during the bye week? Yeah, so the biggest thing about bye week is, for a coaching staff, is you go back and do what's called self-scout. You go back in and you look at all your games. You say, okay, what are we doing well? What are some things that we're not doing well? And let's just focus on the things we're doing well and detail those out and really make sure here in the next few games that we focus on the things we do well. And for me, if I'm looking at the tape, I'm saying, hey, go back to the inside zone game that we had against Northwestern. Keep that triple option game alive and working. But also, I think we need to take some more shots down the field offensively. And defensively, the one thing that I think is I think that this defense got humbled a little bit against Minnesota going, hey, we're a good defense, but we're not good enough to just roll out there and beat everyone. We have to be playing at 100 miles an hour. Everyone has to be assignment sound or else we can get exposed a little bit, which you saw in the first half because I think that they were a little slow. I think they have to understand our defense is made because of how hard we play. And so I hope that was the message sent to the defense. But the biggest thing, too, is physically putting some weight back on, getting in the weight room, putting some, some heavy weight on your back and bench press and – and really, if you're five pounds light, getting those five pounds back on can be big. You can do that in 14 days when you're not playing a game or preparing for a game. And so just physically getting back right, too, is really important. You were saying that it can be really tough going into a bye week coming off a loss. Are you concerned at all about the psyche of this football team having you know, such a hard-fought kind of stretch to open up the season and then not performing the way that they 
wanted to they were not okay with how they played against Minnesota so to come off of that are you concerned at all about the psyche of this team or you think maybe they can spin it and again close it and move on and and you know maybe use it as a little bit of motivation you know I hope they can I hope that they can just close this and, and move on to what's next but I will say when you have two weeks to just sit there and stew on a bad loss and a, or a bad performance individually right it can be really hard to shake that when you don't have the motivation of preparing for another opponent right in your face, right? Like the 24-hour rule is always what I, we were always told in the NFL. Hey, come in, correct the tape, make the corrections, and then you're on to the next week. When it's a bye week, you come in, you watch the tape, and you think about the tape, and you think about the bad plays, and you think about, man, if I would have just done maybe that one thing right on that one play, maybe we win this football game. And that can consume you a little bit. And so my hope is that, with the ability to get away from football, it doesn't consume this team and that it really was a recharge. And I think that majority of the guys will be on that fiery, let's get out, get this bad taste out of my mouth. But it's on the, a lot of the young or the older guys to pull some of the younger guys along with them that maybe haven't experienced a big bye week like this that are first time players or second year players. And because it's really important that you are able to completely shut that Minnesota game as we work into the Purdue week this week. Yeah, and, and we don't need to dive into that. We've done that enough uh, over the Please last no. couple of weeks. But I did want to go back to one thing, Austin Allen and his mm. performance, a career day for him. And, you know, what did what did you see that was working, uh, you know, against Minnesota that this offense was able to utilize? And is that something that could be continued to be utilized moving forward? Because he was such a weapon out there. Oh, man. And I think Adrian, for really the first time, he did a little bit against Michigan, was throwing the ball up high to Austin Allen. You hear uh, Matt and Greg on the radio call every week, like, just put that ball up at eight feet and let him go up and get it when he's matched up on a safety or a linebacker because he has the ability to go up there and make those plays. And he was phenomenal in that. But the play-action games really got him open. When we're running the ball well like we did in the second half, we got some big runs going, that safety or that linebacker is going to have his eyes in the backfield at first. And all it takes is for him to take one, maybe one and a half steps forward, and Allen's behind him already on those seam routes that you see – Gronk catch, you see Robert Tunyon catch, Kittle, all these dudes in the NFL, those are all same schemes that were run here, those RPO schemes, right, where you're reading a linebacker, if he's flat-footed or takes a step forward, throw it over his head. And that's a big piece of this offense that I think can continue to grow. And Allen's actually a lot faster than people give him credit for. He's good with the ball in his hands. He can make moves. He can run over some guys. And so another weapon for Adrian Martinez down the stretch here that I wish would have gotten involved earlier, but – no time like the present, right? Get him out there. He's a senior. Who knows if he comes back or not next year. But keep feeding him the rock because good things seem to happen when he has the ball in his hands. I asked you this on Sports Nightly last week, but uh, for our podcast listeners, in case they didn't hear it, um, usually a bye week kind of comes maybe a little bit more towards the middle of the season. We're past the halfway point, but your standout kind of players, your surprises of the season, because when we you know get to a bye week, you can, can kind of reflect a little bit when you're in the season, you just go straight to the next, to the next, and we're previewing the, the next opponent. But it kind of gave us some time to kind of reflect on the season. So I wanted to give you know, our podcast listeners yeah. a chance to kind of hear that your two kind of breakout surprises, I guess, of the season. Yeah, for me, it's, it's Luke Reimer on defense and, and Henrich, really. You could throw Nick Henrich in there, too, because when you looked at this defense of guys coming back, the inside linebacker position was really the one that you were like, man, you lose Colin Miller, you lose Will Honus, who's going to fill it? And you had a small sample size of a healthy Luke Reimer last year. When he was healthy, he played lights out, and it was great. But 
when they came in this year is the question mark, and both of them has performed very, very well. Henrich has gotten better each and every week. Reimer still leads the team in tackles. I mean, they're playing extremely good football on the defensive side of the ball. And flip it to the offensive side of the ball, and I know he's only played for a few weeks, but Nuri, our guy Nuri has come in and he came in against that Northwestern game, and he's played very solid football. And I think he's a guy they wanted to get into the lineup earlier. Who You heard Coach Frost talk about he had some weight issues in camp or coming into camp night quite ready. And for him to come in and step in midseason and take that starting role and really take the mentality of I'm not giving it back, I think has been really cool to watch for him. And I think he's a guy that can continue to be a great, a road grader. He's played next to Teddy. He's played next to Turner. And I think that even though Turner's a good player for us, he's still a young player. And I think Nuri can really help him develop as well. So excited to see him come in as a transfer from CSU and play really well. Nuri is so awesome. He's I great. mean, he's my uh, Cornhusker conversation this week on Husker Game Day. And he's got such a great personality. He's so appreciative. This is a guy that came from Germany, um, didn't really play football like it, it is here, you know, football mm-hmm. like it is in America. And, you know, was a foreign exchange student, walked, came, went to Colorado State, then walked on here, but has such an appreciation for playing this game and kind of wants to be an inspiration to some, uh, you know, some foreign athletes that might be looking up to him. But, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to think about. I mean, even though he's an older guy, he's still pretty green in his development as well. He still has a long ways to, before he gets to his ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you look across the board of this offensive line, you said every position except for right, right guard. Uh, right guard and center. I mean, Cam's still a young player. He could go to the NFL this year. I don't know if he will, but, I mean, he's a younger, still developing. He only played offensive line for three years, four years now maybe. And so you look at guys that are still developing, and, yes, we expect more out of them. I expected more out of both Turner and Ben Hart this year than we've seen. But, again, I have to remind myself they're young players. Let them keep developing take your lumps now while they're young. And then in two, three years, I mean, you could be looking at an offensive lineman that could have three or four guys with NFL draft potential, right? I mean, so it's about being patient. And I know Husker faithful hate that word. I hate that word because I feel like we've been patient for a long time. But this is the first year we got to replace Matt Farniak. We had to replace Brendan Hymas, both on NFL rosters, both NFL draft picks. It's not as easy to replace those guys as you think when you're not at schools like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, that have those just plug-and-play players right away. We rely a lot on development, and we've getting guys developed this year. I promise we're going to talk about Purdue, but I just had a, a follow-up question because you, you've mentioned that a couple times now. Guys that could potentially go to the NFL, and it happens every year, every team. But, you know, you've been, you were in this locker room, you went through it yourself. I mean, take us through, at what point do you start thinking about that? Do you start maybe considering that? And how do you kind of not let that be a distraction to what you're doing week in and week out for the college football team? You know, it, it's different than year, this year compared to any other year because of the COVID eligibility rule. I mean, so often you have no choice but to think about it, right? It's like, okay, it's my fourth year or it's my fifth year. I cannot come back to school. Or if you're a junior that has a draftable grade, am I going out? But a lot of that starts before the season. You start getting interest from agents. You'll start getting interest from when the spring grades come out for draftable players from the NFL. You usually get contacted and say, hey, here's what your grade is at. And so you start thinking on that. And then you kind of judge throughout the year what decisions you want to make. But I really think that as towards the last couple weeks of the season, and usually a lot of guys make this decision either before or after their bowl game. But if you're on a team that's fighting for a bowl game, and maybe not going to go to a bowl game, 
you kind of have to start making that decision now because you want to start getting prepared for the pre-draft process before you leave. And so I think about guys like Austin Allen. I think about guys like Travis Volkolek, Cam Jurgens, Cam Taylor-Britt, like guys that could go but have that extra year if they want to. And there's so many risk rewards, right? It's like I could stay and I could become better, but I could stay and I could get hurt. And, and so it's really just it's a, such a personal decision of what you believe, but it's also about what agent you choose. It's also about who you surround yourself with. So make sure they're giving you good information. I mean, so many times guys think, oh, I got a draftable grade. I'm going out. And then they go undrafted. Or, hey, I've got a first round grade. And they get drafted in the fourth round. It's all about the information that you receive and trusting those people information and trusting your coaches that when they're scouts, GMs that come in the building, that they're relaying the right thing to you as well so that you can make the proper decision. But it can be a distraction, especially I see it being more of a distraction now than ever because of this weird COVID of like, well, I can be done, but maybe not. It's kind yeah. of just a bizarre deal. Huge decision, no doubt. Okay, let's talk about Purdue finally. What, how, how many minutes are we in? And we're finally talking about this week's <laughs> opponent. Not because I'm overlooking it. We just had some housekeeping to do since we, you weren't on. You, yes. uh, you yes, uh, yes, yes. ghosted us last week. Easy. No, uh, Purdue, you've been diving into the film. You did your uh, Searle's Tale of the Tape, which you'll be able to watch on Friday morning. What, what, are you, what are your big takeaways from Purdue? You know, the biggest thing with Purdue is they came out against Iowa and ran that three-quarterback system, which really threw Iowa for a loop, and they didn't turn the ball over, and they won that football game. And the big thing, too, is they played really physical on defense against Iowa. You then fast-forward the next week against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's defense is very, very good. They force five turnovers. They don't let Purdue really do anything offensively. And so for me, it's like, okay, that's kind of the game tape for them is really get after them offensively with your front four and defense and force them to turn the ball over. I mean, five and five turnovers is a lot. And to think about Wisconsin only scored 30 points off that really is like everyone's thinking Wisconsin's got they're, – they're right. It's like they scored five points. They scored 30 <laughs> points off five turnovers. Like you, should, you should be putting up 40 burgers up on that, right? But I think the biggest thing for Purdue is – you can't let them believe that they can play with you. I think Iowa early in the game gave them so much hope that eventually Iowa lost all hope and Purdue was riding as high as possible. Versus Wisconsin, really from the word go, kind of was like, hey, we're Wisconsin, you're Purdue, remember your place. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Nebraska is so much better than them, but on paper in the film that I watched, Nebraska is the better football team on paper. Now, what Nebraska team shows up is the better question. Is it the Nebraska against Minnesota or the Nebraska against Michigan? Nebraska against Michigan could beat this team by 30 points. The Nebraska that shows up against Minnesota will be in a dogfight with this team. And I think that a lot of it is, again, we talk about it a lot, but starting fast against this team, scoring points early, and really just making this quarterback, whichever one plays back there, uncomfortable in the pocket. And then Cam Taylor-Britt, you want to play in the NFL? You go shadow David Bell and show people why. This was kind of his coming out party last year. I mean, people forget this was the, the air Britt where he's up and he's playing against David Bell and played really well. This, is, this was his coming out party last year. I expect another big game from Cam Taylor-Britt this week against David Bell. Another big matchup that you're looking for is the tackles because Gosh. Purdue's got some dudes on the defensive side hey, of the dude. ball. George Karloftis, dude, first-round pick, maybe next, maybe this year, maybe next year. Whenever he decides to make his transition to the NFL, he's a first-round pick. He's a little different than you look at from a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who's more of a kind of – he's got some speed to him but some wiggle. This is a powerful dude. This is a dude that if I'm Turner Corcoran and I'm Bryce Benhart, I'm, I was in the weight room sitting on squats because this dude's going to take three steps up and come right down your chin. 
and then he's going to do that two or three times, and he's going to hit you with a quick swim move to the outside because you're ducking your head to sit on the bull rush, and he does it over and over and over again. What I loved what Wisconsin did against him, they ran away from him. They brought Jake Ferguson, their tight end, back and cut him a bunch of times. They ran read option off of him. They ran nakeds at him. They made him think. They made him slow. They didn't just let him tee off because he's very good in the run game too. So I think that that's a good plan. I think Wisconsin had a good plan against him, and they had good tackles too. But again, you gotta you got to mix it up with guys like that because they can wreck a game. And just what about for the Nebraska offense, you know, putting points on the board, even in the second half against Minnesota, were able to drive right down the field, couldn't convert. I mean, how do you – how does this offense convert when they get those situations, when they get in the red zone? I mean, the biggest thing is, number two, using his legs. Adrian's got to use his legs to make this offense effective. He wasn't able to against Minnesota because he looked like he was dealing with some stuff. But the health of number two really hampers what we call and what we don't call. When you're a big read option, triple option, RPO team, and your quarterback can't take off and run, it causes issues, a la Kansas City right now with Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes doesn't have all the weapons around him, and so he can't really take out and run, so they're kind of a mess. And we saw that the triple option got taken away from us, so we tried going to the zone read. Well, you can't run zone read if your quarterback's not going to be able to pull it because they're not respecting it. But the biggest thing is you got to run in between the tackles. And Ramir Johnson going out, I think you saw there's a big drop-off between Ramir and the rest of the pack, right? Ramir's really separated himself, and so getting him back healthy will be big. But again, you just you need to score points on every possession. And I know our kicker hasn't helped us a lot in Connor Culp, and who knows who's going to be kicking the football this week. But when you get the opportunity to put points on the board against a Big Ten opponent, as we come down the stretch here in November, it becomes even more and more important. Every point matters these weeks. All right, offense, defense, player to watch. So I think defense for me, Cam Taylor-Britt. I think Cam Taylor-Britt and also um, Quentin Newsom. Because you, you, no matter, sometimes coverages will get called where your boundary corner and your field corner and sometimes Bell over motion across. And both corners are absolutely going to be tested with David Bell this week. And so our corner And Purdue position, likes to throw the football. And Purdue likes to throw the football. So big thing, look at both those corners. And then offensively, I really want to look at, again, I think I've said this almost every single week, but our tackles. I think you've got to look at Turner Corcoran. You've got to look at Bryce Benhart because when you're playing against first-round talent on the outside, that's where you've got to win your one-on-one matchups. And those two guys have struggled there's no really easy way to say it they've struggled against Aiden Hutchinson they struggled against some guys from Michigan State but I thought Ben Hart's been playing better since he got benched Turner's got to play a little bit better I hope he's settled in a little bit more on the left side with the bye week having some more reps under his belt those two guys have to have really good solid games against this guy if they want to have success all right Jeremiah and I will be on Facebook live coming up one o'clock 90 minutes out from kickoff and we'll have all of the pregame coverage on the Huskers radio network uh, all throughout the day and, of course, have the game broadcast, which Jeremiah will be on the sidelines for. All right, for Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. We'll see you. Talk to you on game day. Go Big Red.